Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. All right, here we are. Here we are. Zuckerman uh, sat down and just said, I'm going to pee as he goes into the bathroom. Well, I plan to keep talking while you're micturating. Um, we have a terrific show for you today. Um, we are going to be talking to Bear. Who is Bear? Bear is a Crip. Crips and the Bloods gang member. Uh, no Zuckerman from the Outlaw Archive. Thought it would be a good time to bring him in and chat about everything. Everything that's been happening uh, out in the streets uh, regarding uh, the death of George uh, Floyd, uh, gang members, El Caminos. Um, he is now an anti-gang activist and working with uh, Los Angeles School District and others. Um, really excited to chat with him. Um, I've been riding motorcycles. I don't know if you're following me on Instagram, but if you're not, um, because the quarantine has happened, there's a lot less traffic. And I thought, why not review motorcycles, even though. I will admit to you, I don't know how to review motorcycles, <laughs> and currently I'm, I only own my 66 Triumph Bonneville, but um, uh, someone from Royal Enfield uh, called me up and said, do you want a bike for a little while? And, and I said, sure, and they sent one over to the house, and it's been fun. Um, I have uh, an Indian that's coming, a uh, Moto Guzzi, and a few others, and uh, I will do my best to communicate what I've learned from these motorcycles, I don't know that I will be able to review them like a real motorcycle reviewer, but, um, you know, I can definitely give you my perspective on the company. Royal Enfield is the oldest motorcycle company in the world, I believe. 1901 is when they started, and if memory is uh, serves me correctly, Triumph is 1902 <laughs> and Harley is maybe I think 0405 but you guys will let me know when you uh, look at the Instagram post so these guys have been making motorcycles for a very very long time um, I believe they were located in India um, they sell motorcycles worldwide and recently they've decided to distribute motorcycles in North America they, they finally opened up a place I think in 2019 you don't know anything about motorcycles, Zuckerman, but um, here, come on, sit down so we can chat. I'm, I'm done skating here. Um, but they have been bringing bikes to North America la- as of last year, 
and want to open up the North American market. What is notable about Royal Enfield right from the very beginning um, is these bikes are inexpensive, right? They make a ton of bikes. I don't know the, the manufacturing stats globally, but I think they're up above 800,000 yeah, bikes a, a year. Um, and they're which, really well. Which means that they can make them cheaply. Uh, their model lineup is uh, six families of motorcycles, right, in range from 350cc to 650cc. They have the Interceptor 650, the Thunderbird, the Himalayan, the Classic, the Bullet, and the bike they sent me, which, by the way, Zuckerman, brand new, the Continental GT. Um, unlike these press cars I get, Zuckerman, that get the crap beaten out of them, these bikes come brand new from the factory, the press bike. So this guy calls me up and he says, I've got the new bike. I said, is there gas in it? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, I need gas. So I took delivery by your place instead of mine. And this tractor trailer opens up and this motorcycle, brand new motorcycles dropped off. Had a little dot of gas in it and I brought it to... That's one big difference between these things. And, and there's this beautiful bike. Now, Zuckerman, this motorcycle, tell me when I have your attention so we can chit-chat. You have my attention. I'm really impressed with this product. It is a beautiful, you saw the motorcycle, right? I see the motorcycle and I see what they give you for the price, which is astounding to me. Okay. For $6,000, I think the bike is. No, yeah, stickers $5,999. You get this brand new motorcycle that works, right? I can't remember when I bought a brand new motorcycle. I, I think when I bought a, a Honda XR250 Enduro bike, it was about five or $6,000. Right. To get this like kind of off-the-truck brand new bike experience with a warranty, I was pretty excited about it, right? Right, and when you look at the capacity and you look at the performance and you look at the features, you say, this is a lot of bike for the money, and it's good-looking, and let me, it's cool. Let me tell you just about the bike stat-wise, and I'll discuss what it was like to ride it. Continental GT650 offers a committed riding position, features a twin seat, sculpted tank, rear set footrest, race-style clip Is there clip anything on. other than a committed riding no. position? Is There's there a seats. casual riding position? Hey, I'm just going to hang on with <laughs> one foot in one hand. <laughs> it's got a headlight. I'm just going to rest and sleep on it while I'm going. Not it very committed. It features two tires and two wheels. Um... I noticed right away that it was uh, kind of a cafe-style riding position. The bike is uh, uh, an updated version of the bike they had in 1964. A it's scrambler. a four-stroke, single overhead cam, air-cooled, 648cc parallel twin, 47 horsepower, 47 horsepower, which is the equivalent of a Volkswagen Beetle, six-speed gearbox. Six speeds. 70 miles per gallon, Zuckerman. And again, what I love about motorcycles... You can just ride them forever. You barely have to put gas in the damn things. Um, payload weight, or the weight of the bike, is about 400 pounds. Look, <clears throat> I got on this bike, and you have to filter this through this before I say what I'm about to say. I've owned many modern motorcycles, but I stopped at a certain point and decided just to ride the 66 Triumph Bonneville, the vintage one, primarily because the brake and the gear shift were on different sides, and I didn't want to be confused one day and drive into the back of a truck having to make a hard stop. So everything you're about to hear is processed from a guy who's only been riding a bike from the 1960s. <laughs> So, you cut forward to this Royal Enfield. I put in some gas. You are in, in your hangar 
Um, I don't do this in my hangar, but in your hangar, you have those. You have these beautiful fresh gas there. You're smart, Zuckerman. Yes. And I was able to take some of your gas, put it in this bike, and ride home. It starts right up. It was a delightful experience. I found this bike was something that constantly called to me and said, please ride me. This reliable, quick start, beautiful looking thing. And again, that's important to me. I like the way my machines look. And I thought this bike looked really cool. And I thought it looked much more expensive than it really was. And I drove this thing. I rode this thing a lot. Now, I didn't take it on any big canyon rides or any of that stuff um, just because I had a lot of other press cars and, you know, our stuff going on. But I found this bike to be just wonderful price point. And, and you know, I, I know somebody else was offering me this bike maybe a year ago, maybe mm -hmm. in 2019, and I never really got around. But we kept seeing them at Bill's, and I took it for a spin. It you know it's a great bargain bike for someone who doesn't have the money to to spend on a, a bigger sport bike because those you know bigger sport bikes like I know I I like R nine Ts the BMW R nine T pures which I've always considered to be a little inexpensive those are twelve to fifteen thousand dollars I'm always attracted to the the look and sound of the Ducatis. Those have an interesting sound. I don't quite like the sound, but I've ridden them. But you know, most most of those bikes we're talking between thirteen to twenty five k. Here's something at six thousand where you've got a great bike. Now I can't. Someone's been harassing me on Instagram when he saw it, and he goes, "Well, you got to talk about what it's like in the long term." I, I don't know what it's like in the long term because he's got a Royal Enfield that's a problem for him. It's rattling and it's falling apart. And I admittedly did not put enough miles on this thing to test that quality. I'm saying, and I, and I wish I had the answer. I, I know this comes with a warranty. I don't know if it's a year-long warranty or if it's longer than that. Um, but for six grand and coming with a warranty... You you get the uh, the spike scale stamp of approval. <laughs> I like this. I thought it was a very likable machine. Um, again, my enthusiasm uh, coming from the exterior design, the ease of use. Use. I like the British heritage. I understand they're making these bikes in England again, and and you know they're they're branching out here into the United States. Most of them are made in India. I don't know where this one came from. I I like this company, Zuckerman. They're on my radar all of a sudden. They're Thanks. they're they're evolving. They're they're adding the technology. They're putting in this cool stuff into to an old idea, and they're making it work right. I would guess part of that plan has to be the durability of the cycle. Um, thank you, Royal Enfield, for sending that to me. I enjoyed it. I I liked it, and that and that's the only way I can review this. And I apologize. I'm not a motorcycle reviewer. I'm just a lifestyle enthusiast who liked this machine and keep in mind there are plenty of machines i don't like there are plenty of things i don't like and you know what i usually reject those at the press car stage <laughs> so in other words and it's something i kind of learned on my esquire show and car matchmaker i like to be kind of guys having fun with machines so before someone says here <laughs> drive this and review it i, I have a pretty good idea i'm not gonna like it right Mm -hmm. I might not say yes to a Supra <laughs> based on what I've seen or talking to Matt Farah. I might not say yes to that, and you, that which, which tells you why I'm saying positive things about the things I do review and I do talk about. It's because I've already said yes. Does that make sense? 
Gotcha. KTR uh, uh, Indian, I think, is the uh, next bike I'm, I'm getting Thursday. Uh, 1200 race replica. Uh, I love these. Th- I don't really know anything about this bike other than the history and why they made it. I've always liked the Indian brand. By the way, Royal Enfield, Indian brand. Get it? Right. Um, Clever. And I think it's a beautiful bike that I would buy. And I'm and I'm lucky to be able to test it. And I'm hoping uh, I'm ho- hoping I do like it. And I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to more great driving. There's still good driving despite all of the turmoil. In this world, whether it be COVID or whether it be the protests, I've been having some fantastic drives, Ferris. Well, I took I took the Zagato out yesterday. It looked like Bedlam up there in the parking lot. I've embraced uh, the Bedlam. I've embraced it. I've been chatting with some of these guys, and they're mostly on the younger side, and they're so enthusiastic about their BMWs and their Supreme stickers on the side of it. I really like them now. I don't like that they're not wearing masks I don't like that part, but I do like the group. So, you know, the previous week I took out the 992 Turbo S. Right, and and, And and I was up there. We had a nice time. And this uh, Sunday, I didn't really announce it, but I brought up the Zagato, and people went bonkers for it. Bonkers, Zuckerman. I got a lot of tags. A lot of people really, people just really (laughs) respond so well to that car. It is, I'm going to say, they did a beautiful job in design. Yeah, they they did. They nailed the design and the looks of that car, and it is so evocative, and it's so unique. People really just dig it, huh? Yeah, and and it's known at this point. And, you know, more importantly, the drive for me, I got up fairly early for me. And uh, so I was there before the Malibu traffic. It was one, It was just a beautiful, beautiful, open drive. Now, there was an incident driving home. Uh, there's some, some numbnuts in a 996 Turbo who, by the way, almost hit me on the way back. Um, you know, right by, uh, what's the sushi place there? No, Nobu? Nobu. I was a little <laughs> close to the center line for some reason, and this guy went by me at about 90 to 100 right there. Mm. And then uh, later on, when we got down the road, he had crashed, uh, uh, of course. Let me see if you can guess. U-turn. Illegal U-turn. Past the Getty by the beach. Wow, bad spot. This guy (laughs) is driving like a fucking asshole in the Porsche, and... Boom, right into the side of the truck. The old man clips the truck, by the way, but hits the parked car head on. Uh, ambulance was there. It was not pretty. Uh, not Also not good for the Porsche community at large to have someone driving like that out there. And I got to call him out because he needs to be called out, right? Mm. You know, um, just remember, you know, you don't want to be part of the problem there. Um, you absolutely don't want to be making U-turns, but you don't want to be part of the problem driving like that. This guy was using the PCH as his own private racetrack. In exactly the wrong spot. In the really the wrong Series 911. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to. Snobby. <laughs> the poor 996, the unloved 996. I, I don't believe anybody was hurt, thank God, but I don't know that for sure. Um, but yeah, it, there were a lot of interesting cars at Bill's. And then I just, you know, I've decided to embrace it. I posted for Bill. I said, look, we're going to call this... The uh, Malibu Kitchen Cars and Coffee, it's going to be every Sunday in the parking lot at the uh, Malibu Country Mart. Whether they like it or not, go there. Go there early. 
Uh, you know, by 10, the tourists show up. There's great cars there, Zuckerman. And don't good be a stuff. cheap. Go into Bill's. Don't be a cheap motherfucker. Go into Bill's. But look, buy look, something in de- from Bill. In defense of the cheap motherfuckers, Bill doesn't open up for this. He, he They walk in, and then he goes, I'm not open right now. Okay, that's okay. That's between <laughs> 11 and 11.30 when it he's is? put. But if you go in Does early, he make eggs? He Go and buy a muffin and a cup of coffee <laughs> with a mask on. Just put your mask on. Go Don't in there Bill. and patronize our yes. friend and say and and say you're spending money because of Zuckerman and Ferris. That's did. right. You Always, go in there. Yeah, drop our names. Make us look good. Make us look good because really the reason this show is going on is because of Bill. This has been going on for so long. I've been going there for twenty years. Jerry showed up. Then Zuckerman showed up. We. We've this thing is really because of Bill. He loves cars. He's got that beautiful old Volkswagen bus. And out sometimes in front. he's crabby. Okay, and accept it. We're all crabby. Whatever you do, don't call him Stanley. Don't call him Stanley. Don't call him Stanley. Do not call him Stanley. Do not call him Stanley. Do not say, "Hey, Stanley, Spike and Zuckerman sent me." Do not do that. Never Please say Stanley. Never say that for the eighteenth time. <laughs> don't use the word Stanley, right? And don't <laughs> tell him that it was us that sent you. But definitely go in. He's got. The, he's one of the best bakers uh, I've ever. You know, from New York, L.A. His and I thought he was bringing that stuff in for all these years. He's making it. He's making it. He's there. baking it. And even if he's not serving eggs, you got to. Buy your stuff. Get a nice steaming cup, cup of coffee. Get a baked good. Go out and see some amazing cars. We had some 918s out there, Zuckerman. There was a 250 short wheelbase out there. There was a 959 out there this Sunday. I will shortly be bringing some pretty big guns up there. What do you mean? What does that mean? I don't want to say. Is this something you own already? Maybe and maybe not. And maybe yes and maybe no. Interesting. Uh, Maybe both. (laughs) Maybe both and maybe none. I don't even know where you're at. You're selling cars. You're buying cars. I it's will, getting crazy. I will tell you that the car market's moving right now. A it friend is. of ours, with a, a well-known friend of ours, sold five cars from his vintage dealership wow. last week. Five. No kidding. Five motherfucker for real money. Strong money. Strong money. A strong market. And these were Porsches. For the most part, yes. I think there may have been one or two other things. Well, that's exciting. Yes. And they were and they were uh, 88, 89 turbo. That market picked back up again. Really? Remember that market was high, then it cratered, now it's back. Were any of these cars your cars? No, not yet. But there may be some eventually. But I hear there might be an offer coming in on yeah, something. Yes. Today. And he, he's selling 73 RSs. There's turbos that are going. Uh, 80s turbos, there were more modern cars, a lot of stuff flying. So his assessment, this person of the market, is... Momentarily good. Momentarily good and strong. Momentarily good and strong. I love that. That's good to hear. That's reassuring. That cars... Cars! Life goes on. Life goes on. go on. Cars are saving us. And I drove to and from Mexico again in my E39 M5, and I have to tell you, for that trip... There is nothing. That car just Did you dominates. hit any birds? I wanted to, <laughs> but <laughs> I tried. I tried, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't catch any again. So is the idea that you're, you've stowed your family down there so they won't get sick from... Yes, there's a bubble there. There's a bubble there, and then you just go down and visit. Right. It, Are it, you, do you get tested to make sure that you're not bringing any... I've been tested two times. Right. And so... And, uh, and, and, and only I, once were you positive. Exactly. <laughs> so you get tested, so you go down and make sure that you're not going right, to bring something into their my situation. My father-in-law, who's 96, yes, and, and quite with it, 
um, I don't want to give him anything because I figure he's like a he's a walking potato chip right now. He could crumble. <laughs> he could crumble with the slightest. I don't want to do that. Like I don't want to be the knob. Yeah, I don't want to be the one to just you know right. blow blow on the dust a little too hard and watch it all That's fall apart. Good. That's good. I like that. So which test? You have antibody tests or I've the had nose? Both. Te- Did you have the thing jammed into your face? Then. They, I didn't get up the nose, but I did. I got this spike with something on the tip that had to go down my Ooh. throat. So a God. person dressed up in like a FEMA hazmat outfit had this like the thing you pick up garbage with and poked it into my window. It gave me the kit, and you have to push this thing in your throat for twenty seconds, moving it back and forth. Now. I have a gag reflex. You may not. I just can't have things down my throat. And so it, so there's the person in the hazmat suit. I'm in the car retching. And <laughs> <laughs> Why are there so many different goddamn tests? What's I, happening here? But so there's the I, swab in the, just no, the, the end of the nose. Then there's the one that goes into your brain. Then there's the swab in your cheek. I had the and thing now down, there's this one? The, the dick thing down, down the your throat, throat the dick, your neck? The mini dick down my throat, me <laughs> retching and gagging <laughs> and crying. Um, and Why didn't you tell me? I would have filmed this. This is you lovely. Should have. And, and <laughs> then I had to put it in the solution, hand it back out to the garbage clip, and I drove off and I got the results. But I'm getting a box of, of instant tests. Oh, you are. But Tw- I've heard those don't do shit. Okay. So what do we know? We hear all sorts of crazy you shit. You know, by the way, you know, just to let everyone know how close you and I are, you were getting your physical and you sent me a picture of you with the doctor's finger up your ass. Because <laughs> the, the selfie was his face, but in smiling. Well, it turns out he's your doctor too, and he wanted you to know what your future looks like. I'm not going into that place in the middle of this mess. That's germ central. But I, of course, I'm going to keep that. <laughs> Isn't that a weird forever. thing? How, how is it it's that hilarious. we have the same general practitioner? Uh, you had him before. I've had me. him for many years because he's the comedy doctor. He's the Ron Ben Bassett. He he was or Ben Bassat. He was referred to me years ago when I was a writer on Seinfeld. I then gave, handed him off to the other Seinfeld writers. He's still taking care of all of us. And then he's, he independently he was taking care of Glass, Steve Glass. And that's who, how you know him. That's how I know. Him. Wow. Well, so he's a great doctor. That's he's why been up everyone's ass <laughs> in this hall. He's been up more ass, and he's than got anyone. the good doctor jokes. He goes, he did to me every year. He goes, "What you're feeling right now is my penis going in," and I laugh. And it, you know, that's why I like him. He's got good, inappropriate jokes for the right people. That's right. Yeah. And then you walk out of there though, that squishy feeling. That is a horrible, squishy after feeling. After getting tests? After yeah, you get bad. the prostate, the petroleum jelly in the buttocks. Does that test not... even mean anything anymore? Does it? I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Listen, I don't want prostate because cancer, if you do get, you? if you get tested and then they notice an abnormality, then you have to go to the other guy. Then the other guy's got his hands up your butt. And it's the same. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? You know the guy in my office had his prostate removed, Mazza. He yeah. had prostate cancer, and so now nothing comes out. Just but wait. at that moment when he is that how he found out? Someone that, put a finger in his ass. He found out because he cut his finger uh, cutting watermelon, and he went into the doctor. The doctor said, "When is the last time you had any sort of physical anything? <laughs> I have no records of you." All because of a watermelon, <laughs> and they did his blood, and his, his PSA was through the roof. It was like, holy shit, that thing is is radioactive inside of you, <laughs> and they plucked it out, 
And because it's like a glowing charcoal. It's like a, a glowing charcoal. <laughs> well, that's he, my point. They didn't have to put a finger in his ass. They they te- right. they could see it in the blood. There was an enzyme, right? But now, now when the moment happens for him, only a little puff of dust comes out. <laughs> and and a woman the other day, I guess there was some sort of oral action, and he he hadn't told her that nothing comes out, and she said to him, "You taste good." <laughs> Zuckerman, this show is going to be the most insane episode ever of the show, and I'm but, going to apologize to the listeners in advance. We haven't even uh, we haven't even gotten a bear yet. Well, and I'm really excited. Bear Bear has <laughs> but, <a> but <laughs> where we've gone already is is out there. Bear Bear is a good friend of mine, and I want the listeners to know we're not. He has a checkered past, and I'm a firm believer that people with past people with past can be the most helpful. Uh, to other people. You have to have gone down a certain path and gained a certain hard-won wisdom that can help other people like nobody else. There's certain there's certain people that can't be reached except by somebody who's been there. All right. And I think well, that that's fair. He's here. Why don't we just take a moment, and then we'll be right back with uh, our friend, the community activist who specializes in gang prevention and re-entry Charles Spratley, otherwise known as Bear. And here we are, gentlemen. Here we are. Yes, we here are. we are. This is we very are. exciting. We're here with Charles Spratley, also known as Bear. Yeah. You you prefer Bear? Prefer Bear. Uh, you'd be it'd be funny if you go to my jobs and stuff. CEOs, all of them call me Bear. How did how did you meet Bear Zuckerman? How did how did you come into contact with this gentleman? It, we, we came into contact through the Outlaw Archive, and specifically. Uh, we were working, as you know, on, on the history of outlaw motorcycle clubs in Southern California. Yep. And I ran into an old friend of mine, Paul Stukin, and Paul uh, introduced me to a very old friend of his, Apollo, who he had first done Rock the Vote with back in 1993 after the L.A. riots. Apollo uh, was from an area in L.A. called, I, I guess they would call it the Jungles, the right? The Jungles, uh, Black Peace Stone. Yeah. Uh, uh, Apollo is an older, uh, you don't mind me cutting in real no. quick, uh, older guy that, uh, well, you know, I come out the crib, so he was out the bloods, but he was an older guy, so his blood and, and all that wasn't like ours. It was a little different. He was an older guy where at that point blacks all said, what's up, blood, the young blood, and this. But he was a part of that structure, the original structure. Right. So then he, he uh, and, and Paul Stukin, Apollo and Paul Stukin had done a lot of filming for news stations through the 90s and yep. the early 2000s of what was happening back then. So when Paul Stukin heard I had the Outlaw Archive going with our other friend, Robert Bushnell, uh, he said, well, why don't I bring Apollo down? And Apollo came down, took a look around, and he said, you got to meet Bear, because Bear is somebody who really knows the what was going on in L.A. through the 80s, even yeah. earlier, 70s, 80s, 90s, et cetera. Wow. Well, thanks for coming in. Not a problem. This is good. I, I want to start just like, you know, I'm fascinated by the Bloods and the Crips. How do you get, how does that start for you? Like, at what age are you thinking, I'm going to get in a gang? Um, what, what is your origin story there? So, and why you're you were you were former Crip, right? Why the Crips and not the Bloods? I mean, because I'm speaking because from you gotta a, you gotta see how it hit the scene. It's kind of like the um, the the hoodies that everybody want to wear hoodies now. Same thing for us. Um, 
Everybody's phone is jingling. That's what we're hearing. Just put it on mute. That's fine. Uh, it happens all the time. So um, the thing about the Bloods and the Crips was, like I said earlier, that um, everybody said blood in the black community. You know, and there was no none of that cause was nothing. Um, so the 69 is when the Crips started. And it, it, they try to say it derived from the Black Panthers, but really it was more of that there was nothing um, there left for us to do because there was no more Black Panthers. Uh, so these guys tried to still be, um, con- you know, create these, these, these um, entities. And the Crips came. It w- really, it wasn't Crips at first. It was uh, called Baby Cribs. Uh, the and crib- that's crib is in a baby's crib. Right. And then the Crips was a typo because a guy got killed down in Hollywood. They, was take- they used to steal leather jackets. So they beat this guy up. I think his last name was something, Craig. He fell, hit his head on the curve, and the L.A. Times typed it up. And instead of putting baby cribs, they typed up cribs. And so it stuck. Everybody kept rolling with it. And, you know, next thing you know, <laughs> like for me, I'm a, I'm a second-generation crib. I'm like right there in the borderline between the second and third-generation crib. Family members was all there a part of it, and it wasn't, it wasn't expected to become the monster it is. It became, like for me, just for me, at the age of eight and uh, nine, a real quick story, walking up the street with my uncle blind, and um, two guys is coming up behind us, and they got sticks. And so I'm telling my uncle, because we walk into the store, and we stayed on 92nd, we had to walk up on, to 88th and Hooper to the store, and while we walking, they coming up, and I'm telling my uncle, I'm like, look, these dudes is coming up behind us pretty fast. He said, just keep walking. So we keep walking, and we trying to, you know, make it to the store before they can get up to us. Because once we make it to the store, my uncle and them, my other uncle's friends and stuff is all around, which is my homeboys now. Um, so when we get between 89th and 90th, the guys got real close to us. They was almost within reaching distance of us, and all these dudes come out the alley. And they was like, not over here in my neighborhood. And so they run out and start chasing them. They got sticks. They chased them up the next alley. And so when I seen that, I knew who them guys was. Every one of them, I knew them. They had been at my grandmother's house and everything. So when I seen that, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I want to be a part of that. You know, we, uh, we, we, we're part of the original Crips. Uh, we're the ones that created the, uh, where they say neighborhood. We was the neighborhoods, but they the, the neighborhood was for the neighborhood. Right. So they wouldn't let nobody come in the neighborhood and touch nobody. Your mom, everybody could walk around. Nobody's purse gets snatched. Nobody nothing. So and nobody prote- was calling the police back then. Nah. So it's, <laughs> nah. Yeah, there's protection. You're being right. followed. You think you're going to get robbed, and these right. guys come out, protect you, and right. you say, was blind. I want to be part of that. Yeah, they knew my uncles. They knew my whole family because my granny was the type of woman that would, um, you know, my mom's cooked a lot of the dinners and stuff. Some of the guys in the neighborhood, you know, they couldn't get food that easy or whatever. They Money wasn't like that. We had a real big family. So I could bring my friends and, you know, so on and so on. My grandmother had 13 kids. So it would be friends over there. It would be other kids there that ain't even our family, but my granny would feed them. So we, but so you join the Crips, and, and then what happens? Like, first of all, is there any sort of initiation? Are you? Uh, uh, definitely, definitely. What uh, year is this, by the way? Uh, for me, 78. I didn't get seriously into it until about 78, 79, right, right when I'm going into junior high school. Um, as a little kid, young kid, I was just running around, wannabe, just like, yeah, this is the neighborhood, we out of here. So 
Um, and you know, it was the it was the like he just like Paul just said, it was the 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 um embrace, the 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 camaraderie. That, right. You right. know, look, you know, they they we got you. We got your back. I mean, it was a, a form of brainwashing. You believe what you was doing. Right. You know, you because I know many people sit back and ask the question, how these guys is willing to just put their life on the line every day like this for nothing? Right. But we believe it was something. We was taught that it was something. But is it like, is it, you know, what I love about Outlaw Archive was the Hells Angels had you know, meetings, and they have a code of conduct, same. and they had paper that they printed. Same. Now, the Crips... We don't print paper, but same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but was there a weekly meeting that you... Yes. There yes, was. Yes, yes, And yes. you're getting together... And for us, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, no. for us, we're the biggest black gang in L.A., so we go from downtown L.A., which was the first street East Coasts, and then we went... Right now, we're all the way out to Stockton. we all the way uh, to Riverside, which is the 1200s, and then you got you got the Stocktons, and then you got, um, hell, we didn't went further than that now, because if you go on the internet, we got dudes in New York claiming hood, throwing up the signs, they on our Facebook trying to be a part and right. make us know who they are and stuff like that. So it didn't grow big, and, and you know, to me, like I said, at that time, back then, nobody knew it was going to become the monster that it was right, going to become. Right, right. And you I think know? it's worth just interrupting for a second to say that you're the founder and CEO of Brothers Against Banging Youth. Yes. You work with LAUSD. You're, you're, you're an anti-gang activist. Yes. Uh, and, you know, just so we don't, <laughs> before we continue, because I have so many other questions. I also okay. want to get into what's going on today and everything else. Okay. Um, but back to that meeting, you, you're 17, you're a junior in high school, you get involved Initiation. with these guys. Well, yeah, yo, and yo, for the right reasons, who doesn't want to feel protection in a place where you don't really have police protection? Of. Right. Where does it, what do they say to you? You know, where do you go uh, or do you ever go? I, I'm not, it sounds like we're going to be committing a lot of crimes here. Well, it's or? not presented like that. Okay, It's go not ahead. presented like that. It's, it's presented like this is your hood. You know what I'm saying? We keeping all any anything undesirables out. We don't want them over here. And and if anybody cross over in here, then we tripping. Now the twist comes in as we grow and we get older and stuff. Now we're the same. We're getting, we're doing the same thing the other ones are doing, but we're going to somebody else's neighborhood. And because of that, you know what I'm saying? It's not it's not a valid reason for being there. You just thinking you were supposed to be doing something, but now you part of something that's already doing a whole bunch of negative stuff anyway, period. You you going over in somebody else's community robbing, snatching purses, cause what gang members need money, they don't get no jobs, they doing bad. So, you know, they, they that's what they did. And and them was your wars. That was you know, everybody caught themselves I mean, it was idiot, but you know, everybody caught themselves uh for the neighborhood, we're going to do this. For the, our hood, we're going to do this. And yet nobody stopped to look and say, well, damn, we doing, we doing just as much as we don't right. want them to do. Right. We're right. going over there robbing their family members and whatnot, but we don't want them to come over in here. Yeah. So it was. It was. A, That's like Zuckerman and I with cars and speeding on the PCH. <laughs> <laughs> you just get sucked up into right, it. You, you get sucked up. Well, we're, we're pointing hey, fingers no, at everybody else. Uh, we're, we're not pointing yeah, fingers at ourselves. Look at that guy. He's going hundred. <laughs> I'm going to go hundred twenty and run and him off me, the road. And for me, on that what you just said, Zuckerman. That's that's a, a a perfect example. You get sucked in so quick. You know, I've been shot ten times for the neighborhood, and never did I think. Well, no, nine times. One time was something else. Uh, but what, wait, well, what does it feel like to get shot? 
<laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, is it the type? And I'm, it's a serious question because, you know, I've been punched in the head and you don't really feel the pain until the next day. You're like, right. shit, I got punched. When uh, I've never been shot. BB gun. Nah. I've, I've what, is, it, is it a numbness? Is it a what? What do you are you just? I've been shot in the face. Uh, I felt the bullet going up my face, uh, going up my nose, and I blew real hard. Stop. It blew again. It came out. So, you know. The bullet came out. <laughs> no, actually, because once I went to the hospital, they rushed me to the hospital because I started bleeding real proficiently. Just, it just coming out. What caliber bullet? Uh, it was like a thirty-two, And so I still got the bullet, actually. Cause the what bullet I did, you blew out your nose. Yeah. And once I got out the hospital, <laughs> I went back in the hood. And right where the blood stain was, it was right there sitting in there. Jesus. And so, and I got out the hospital the next day. And that was just one time. But it hurts uh, bad, huh? It burns. It burns. It, it burns. just depends on where you get hit. Where else I mean, have you been shot? Hand, arms, legs, back, pelvis. Wow. I've been, uh, when I got shot in the face, I got hit twice, in the, le- in the back of the leg and in the face. Uh, everything else was single shots. Nine different other occasions. So, I mean, you know, I've been through it. Hell, this one, I didn't even want to go to the hospital. This one, another one that got hit in the leg, I didn't, I didn't want to go to the hospital. My, me and my brother fought about it because I didn't want to go tell my mom I just got shot. So I was like, you know, I ain't going. So he'd be like, no, nah, you got to go because you bleeding. I'm bleeding bad. <laughs> this right what, here. What, did you, what was your plan to not go to the hospital? Just put a Band-Aid on it? I was a kid, man. So trust right. and believe I had it's no not a big deal. idea. I just said, I'm, I'm all right. I'm up walking. I'm moving. I'm good. In movies, they, when you go to the hospital with a gunshot, Suddenly they call the they cops. They coming. Do they and do that? Is that yeah, true? Yeah, and that was one of the biggest things because I was high on the radar. And so because I was high on the radar, I didn't want to go in there and they know I got shot and then some other shooting happened and they'd be like, well, you know, he's the one. Right, did I see. It. So I didn't want to go. I just didn't want that attention. And, you know, the, I grew up in the sheriff's area. So the sheriffs would be there. As soon as we get to – I remember them coming when I got this one. He came in. And he was like, uh, yeah, they got your trigger finger. My mom's sitting right next to me. She she popped me because he said you shot, you know, he said they shot you in your trigger finger. And I put my other hand up and was like, nope. And, you know, he just looked at me like, you know, fuck you. <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, whatever. So I had a big thing. Me and the sheriffs, me and the, mainly the sheriffs, but me and the police always have it out. I don't. I don't stand when they say freeze. I don't freeze. I run. They they got they had a label on me. They call me a rabbit. So anytime they pull me over, they always automatically handcuff me and put me in the car. Right. They, they don't never just let me stand on the car. They always put me in the car. Do you understand that when you see people today running from the police? Do you understand why they're doing it? Yeah. Why? Explain to they, the audience. Because they're just as much of a gang as we are, and they plan by their rules. I mean, you know. It's the bad trying to police the bad, and, and, and they just as worse, but they'll kill you. Even back then, they, I can remember um, one of my buddies, one of my best friends, his name's Sleep, Big Sleep. They moved here from Texas, and we out in the park kicking it. We, we doing our shit, though. We writing on the walls and stuff, and we kicking it, and they pull up on us, and they get us. So they talking shit to us, so we talking shit back, and they took both our right shoes Threw that in the park, put us in the back seat of the car, and took us across the tracks in bloodhood, and put us out. So I'm telling my homeboy, I'm like, look, they finna put us out over here, homie, where the blood's gonna be at. We're, we, they gonna see us. And I'm telling you, as soon as they take them handcuffs off, you take off. And so they took the cuffs off me first. 
and I get on. So I don't even give him a chance to tell me not to run. I get on, and then I see he come up and start catching up to me. We we got to make it to these tracks and get back across. This was their game. This was their so game. So they, they dropped you in your gang member enemy territory, yeah. so you would get executed yeah. there. They didn't give a shit. They I told him we got to get on before they pull off, because the minute they pull right. off, that's when they're gonna come God. and they're gonna trip. And yeah. that's what I'm saying to you. That's so much of a brainwash that we didn't even get it that, look, here, they're going to come bring us to you so you can do us. And on the reverse, they'll bring them and drop them off in the hood, too. So, you know what I'm saying? And we would do exactly what they thought we was going to do. Not thinking like, man, that's another black dude, but they want us to kill him. Right. They want us right. to fuck him up. And I'm <clears> like, you know what I'm saying? But we didn't realize that until we got older. I mean, for most of us, we had to learn it in jail. Let me ask you a question. Is there any difference between a crip and a blood? No. <laughs> it's an immediate answer. Yeah. And that's something yeah. That, and yeah. that. And when did you realize? You're going to tell us. When did you realize? That? I, we learned. I, for me, I learned it in jail because when you get to when you go to jail, it don't matter what, what, what you are, blood, crip. And for instance, for California, you got like four different sets of uh, blacks that's in the streets thugging. You got bloods and crips. You got the Bay Area. And then you got the hustlers, the dudes that's just chasing money. But all of us is considered separate. Crips, bloods are robbed of hustlers, robbed of, you know, and then when we in jail, we used to get into it with the Bay Area dudes, the northern uh, blacks. So, but it became a race thing. You know, uh, the um, uh, Hispanics and the whites would partner up. Well, not all of them, just the gang members like uh, the Brotherhood and the Aryan Brotherhood, uh, the Nazis, the the um, skinheads, they would team up with the Serranos be- to fight us. So after seeing, you know, there was times where blacks were standing and watching black getting beat up by the whites and be like, and the Mexicans and be like, well, they bloods. That shit ain't real. He's still black and they beating him because he black. They not beating him because he a blood. We fight behind blood right, and clubs. Right. They're not fighting behind blood and clubs. They're attacking him because he's a black dude. So that changed a lot once we got in there. But then here's the funny. Just saying, just say, Paul of blood, I'm a crip, because he got a red rag. So me and Paul is in the penitentiary, and we get to know each other. And we yep. get around each other. And, I mean, we breaking bread. We eating soups and whatever. We doing whatever. We hanging out. We clowning. And we have no problems, and we're not even enemies no more when we're standing there together. And we get into a fight with a bunch of whites, and we stay down with each other. And if you don't stand down, I mean, I got his back, he got my back, and no way I'm going to let them get him without getting, they're going to have to get both of us. So after we do all this in prison, it's no way I'm going to be on the streets and see him and treat him any other way. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? Because then that would be making you a fake-ass person. You, you become that person, like we'd be calling people marks and busters. That's what you would be labeled as, a buster. Like, you're a buster, man. You just sat there and was with him. And now you tripping on him? That's some mark shit. And that's real. And that's what we started learning. So right now, you got less, you got less bloods and crips really getting at each other unless it be some stuff. And it be stupid, petty shit, but it cracks like that. Right. So, you know... You know, we had to wake up and realize it. And it's now, if you, if you pay attention to it now, it's been a process, but we are growing into it more and more where we're not so much at each other, not tripping on each other, not doing none of that. You know, we just let them be and we be. And if you look at it, shit, half them, I got cousins that's bloods. You All got good them. friends who are bloods. bloods. Yeah. So what's the moment then 
that that you decide I'm out of this thing? Uh, well, for me, it started with my kids, and then once my own people set me up, um, that's when I knew this was some bullshit. Now, what do you mean? Well, when I got shot in my back, I got set up. I got set up because a couple of dudes was in jail, and uh, one had did like 13, one had did like 16, and then they had us. They had us. Just put it on mute. That's all you have to do. I, they had a, a sleeper <laughs> that was on the street, never went to jail, and uh, they wanted to run the hood, and I guess they felt like I was running the hood, and, um, you know, I really didn't care. I was just, I was more of um. <laughs> He's playing with his phone right, right now. That's all you're hearing. For a second. Handle the phone, and then we'll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, just if you just put the the right side down there. No, we'll, I gotta put it all down because it's notifications, phone calls. Oh, you all. can just turn it off. That's yeah, fine. Okay. You're worse than Zuckerman, by the way. That's a pretty high bar. So, uh, so, so, wait, so you get set up by your own guys, right? And then, um, and are we, you in jail at that point, or I'm on the streets? And okay. When, uh, when we go to and war, how old are you at this point? Oh, I'm probably about. This happened in 2008. Um, so what? I'm up in age. So you've been up there. So you're with the uh, Crips for a long time. Over 30 since years. the age of 17. Over 30 years. No, like 13. 13. 12. Okay. And this setup, these guys set you up to take a fall for something. Well, some some stuff. I I threw parties. I I started what you call hood days, like in the in the communities, all the gangs. They had these hood days, and what what a hood day is, basically, like me, I come out of uh, eight nine East Coast, so the eighth month, the ninth day is what I created, and so we would throw a party on that day, and we'd say today is our hood day, and so not the actual creation date of the hood, that this was something I made up as a young dude in Hawaii, and so me and two more homies, we started doing it, and it made so much money, I, I just started doing it, I didn't have to sell drugs, I didn't have to do nothing, I made... I made anywhere from six thousand to eight thousand dollars a night. Wow! Yeah, no wow. bullshit. I mean, I I lived off of it for over twenty right, years. Right, right. I didn't have to sell nothing. I, that's that pissed the police off. I had to go get a fictitious business license to keep doing it, so they couldn't take my money. Why were they pissed off? Oh, uh, because and I was, what do you mean not take your money? Well, you know, they would come and raid the party, and they'd uh, take the DJ equipment, and they'd take our money. The money has made the door saying we couldn't make it money legally because we didn't have a business. Right. So uh, one where guy, do you suspect that money went? In their pocket. <laughs> Not suspect. I know. They ain't went and turned it into nobody. Kept it. I mean, even off my drug money, they ran up in our house and went in my. Um, I used to stash my uncle, my money in my uncle, my blind uncle, closet. I put it in his stuff because they would never go in his stuff. Shit. They went in there and took about like twenty-seven thousand. Just when another was, gang, as you say. Yeah, John, that other guy. Uh, Zuckerman. Who, you had, Don Winslow. Yeah, exactly. Don Winslow, the force. Yeah, the I'm force, reading a great right author. Now, now you Malone. had a, you, well, real quick, you had a, like a real nemesis on, in the, was it the Sheriff's Department? The Sheriff's Department. What was that guy's yeah. name? Oh, it was about four of them, but Nunez was one. Nunez, Holmes, Bradley, uh, uh, MacArthur, and then all they little... They little minions. They modeled some of the some of the characters in the movie Colors off of Nunez. And, yeah, Nunez and, was actually in the movie with us. Nunez is the ball headed, the one with the ball spot when they, they kill when they kill Rico Suave. When right. they kill him when he come up with the gun, he the one to yell out freeze, and then they start shooting him when he raised up with the gun. And what? then Bradley is the black one that's inside the the, <laughs> the store 
with Damian Wayne. Right. When he's trying to hump the bunny, he's the black officer that got him. The white officer got wow. him. The white officer is the one talking to him. But now, are you in the movie or were yeah, you I'm just in the cons- movie? I did the gang writing for the movie. How did they find you for that? <laughs> <laughs> did you audition? How did they find you? <laughs> well, they didn't find me. Um, uh, I, I was on their radar, like I said. You know, uh, well, who on whose radar? There's film. We're talking about tell separate them what things. Happened. Filmmakers, so, police, and these are all separate no, they entities. Had, they had uh, Rick Schaefer in the car. Who? Who? Rick, Rick Schaefer, Schaefer was a producer on okay. the movie. Okay, he was a producer. Yes, sir. I think he was actually the writer. and then they, But they had him in the car, and they had a guy named Mr. Ivory, which was a probation officer. Okay. And I had this El Camino that Nunez wanted real bad. He the cop? Used, yeah. He took okay. it from me like over 45 times. He used to always tell me, <laughs> uh, sell it to me. He, they, they, they ran into the side of it on purpose <clears> because I, I ran them. I seen them, and I was coming through Blood neighborhood, headed to my house. Yeah. And they seen me. And I seen the narc car, and I push out real fast up 92nd and go pull up in my driveway, and they pull right up on the side with the little thing, and that bike rack, they push right, push my quarter panel in. Oh man! And I'm like, whatever, fuck it. And so he, they wanted, he wanted that El Camino so bad, man. Every time he seen me in, he pulled me over, and um, he pulled me <laughs> real quick. He wanted me so bad. He seen my car sitting out in front of one of my homies' house. I was there originally, right? But I seen him coming up the street, so I go in the house and go out the back window and <laughs> run up the alley and go all the way around to my mom's house. I go down. We on 88th. I run up Hooper to uh, back on because we stayed on Zamora, and the street runs into our house. And I I ran all the way around, and when I'm sitting on the porch, and my homeboy got the keys to my car. And I tell my mom, I'm like, go up there and get my car. Uh, Nunez and them was up there. So when she went to go get it, uh, my homeboy, little CJ, threw my mama the keys because they, right. they was taking the car because mm-hmm. they knew I was in the house. But I wasn't there. So threw my mom's the keys. My mom's went to jump in the car. And he told her, if you get in the car, you going to jail. So she just jumped back in the car with my auntie and came back to the house with the car keys. About 20 minutes later, they coming past the house. He did it on purpose. He brought it around and brought it straight up some more where it turned right in front of my house. Right. I'm sitting on the porch. I see the, my, my El Camino sitting on the back of, uh, on the, back of the truck, and they, they back there. I'm just sitting on the porch looking at him, and he's just looking at me smiling. But, like, say about an hour later, I had it back. You had it back. Yeah, because back then it wasn't no, no 30-day crap. You just go and pay the yeah, little yeah, yeah. $70. But wait, so how, I still don't see the connection to the movie. <laughs> okay. How do you get oh, in this movie? So, no, so we was in my El Camino. It was five of us in my El Camino, and we was going up 89th towards Compton Avenue. And when we get to Com- right before we make it to the light at Compton Avenue, they, uh, they blurp us and pull us over. Okay. So in my mirror, it looked like there's four police in the car, and I'm like, they finna trip. And I'm like, boom, they everybody like, you got thing in the car? And I'm like, they can't find it. Don't worry about it. We good. So they pull us over, and they pull us all out, and they put us all around the car. So it's X-Ray, little, no, it's X-Ray, Lex, little CJ, J-Bone, then me. So <laughs> Nunez started telling them who we are. So he was like, well, this one is new. This one is new. And then they get to little CJ and say, well, that's little CJ, hardcore game member. J-Bone, hardcore game member. And when he get to me, he say, that's the shooter. So, boom, the guy was like, what? what? He said, yeah, he, that's, that's, that's their shooter. And so they arrest me and they arrest J-Bone. They let little CJ take my truck. And when they get us to the station, they ain't telling us what's going on. Once they get, get us down to Firestone Police Station, Sheriff Station, um, they took the cuffs off of us. 
And then that's when we see all the other people that's there with Rick Sheffer and them. So they telling us, look, we got this movie we were finna do. <laughs> and, uh, that's how he's recruited. <laughs> so Hollywood. So, he's arrested. Yeah. There are so many young actors right now who would love to be, to arrested, be arrested and brought into a movie. Oh, yeah. They let us go. They let us go. But let me give you a catch to that because after we do so the So he says, we have a movie. We'd like you guys to be in this. Right. Nunez, your enemy is your entry point to the right. film business. Right. It's Nunez Holy and Bradley shit. that pull us over. And so uh, when me and Bone get up there to the station, we walking around. They show and stuff and they like well can y'all get more guys I'm like hell yeah we can get homies in this <laughs> so all your crips in the movie is my homeboys my brothers is right. me plus two of my brothers and then it's it's homies in there. You we had to dress them too, right? Huh? You had to dress yeah. the people in the movie. Yeah, eventually, because once the movie starts. So they let you go, so you realize you're not being arrested. You're being added to a film right. and a feature. <laughs> but we clown, and so we, they let us out the station. Right. So the hood is not, nothing but about 10 blocks away from the sheriff station. They on Nadu and Compton Avenue. We on 89th and Compton Avenue, which is like 79th mm-hmm. to 89th. So me and him walking, we clowning, we laughing about it. Like, yeah, we finna, that's finna be on. You know, we talk <laughs> the, the bullshit. So we get to the hood. We start telling everybody. Everybody's like, yeah, we want to be in it. So we started bringing guys. And I remember the first day we went, and they wanted to do wardrobe. And we was like, they came with, you know how we flip our hats up. Right. We, we, but it's a regular hat. We just make it tight in the back, and we flip it up, and it stays up. They come with thing with a big build like this. Flipped up like the dudes at Venice Beach. And we was like, we don't wear that shit. <laughs> and the clothes they had for us, they was like, we don't. I'm like, man, we don't wear none of this shit. Right. So they said, well, you would take us. So we took them down to Huntington Park. I took them to Huntington Park and Harold's and Bell. And, you know, that's where we go and shop for all our khakis, Charlie Brown shirts, honchos, everything. All your gang paraphernalia. This is where we go and get it. So I took them down there. They spent a lot of money on it. They bought a lot of stuff. So I was getting. I was actually getting stuff out of there for myself for, for in the hood, period. Yeah, yeah. He was like, go on, put whatever you want up there. So. Did this improve your relationship with Nunez? Hell no. <laughs> no. I no. Could t- I could tell you a scene we did in Nunez. Uh, he was, was Nunez in the movie? Yeah. He was there. And they was there when we were shooting it. And so we on 110th and Lou Dillon. And we're doing that scene where they run up, the Mexicans run up and shoot the house up and blow up and all the dudes run out and getting killed. Well, we doing that scene. We the guys in the house. Well, let, let's flash forward now to what's going on today. And, um, you know, obviously L.A.'s exploded, the Watts riots in the yeah. late 60s. Then you have Rodney King in the 90s. And 92. you have what's just going on, you know, right now. How do you, when you look at what's happening, do you, does it look the same to you, this expression of anger in the streets? Or is it different? It's different. This, how how uh, so? This time is different. Uh, the difference is this, 67, I mean, 66, 92, we was running with our heads chopped off. We had no, we used that as our vessel just to do wrong, period, really. I like, I didn't go out and do nothing this year or none of that. When this happened, I sat at home. Um, I watched it, I understood it, and I respected it. And, you know, there's no disrespect to people in other communities, but why tear up your community when you're mad at them? Go tear up their shit. Why would you tear up your shit, <laughs> stupid? And we was the ones that was tearing up our own shit. And then right. when all that was, <clears throat> when the smoke finished, we couldn't go nowhere and buy nothing. Right. So we had to come all the way over to these communities and put money into their community because we didn't fuck ours off. Right. So to me, I looked at all them, and, you know, I, I, I had a... a 
I don't want to say a sense of pride, but I had a sense of understanding to what was happening. And I was like, I'm not mad at him. You know, I'm not mad at him. And, you know, this, 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 you got to understand you, if you live in something, you see it daily, all day, that they do whatever they want. And see, people want to say black and white, but you got black police officers that's just as worse as the white ones. You know what I'm saying? You got Latinos just as worse as the white ones. It's, it, it, their, their color is not white. Their color is either brown, tan, or either blue. Them, that's their colors. And they, they got this code that they're going to roll with. And he, I, it could be a black cop standing there watching a white cop dog one of us out. He just as wrong as the next motherfucker because he's standing there watching it. And, you know, you, you, you figure like you say, well, we need some of our people in there. But shit, we got our people in there. And them motherfuckers is worse. It's worse. I had an officer, a black officer trying to treat me bad as hell while the uh, Hispanic one like, man, slow down. He talking shit to me and I'm talking back to him. And I'm like, I'm not scared of you. And your perspe- is it your perspective on LAPD, at least policing that area? Is it all bad? Is it systemic? It's, it's systemic. It's everywhere it's systemic. in that department. You know, I get passes now because I got this gray. But trust me, when I didn't have this gray, I was pulled over at least three times a day. Just hidden corners. Right. And, and they burped me for nothing. I, ain't, I haven't did nothing wrong. I haven't broke no street laws, none of that. And I'm getting blurred. All so they can search. All because they want to go in the car. Right. And see if they can find something. Do you think that, that you being a crip, that at your, at your crew, that you guys fell into the trap of being an easy target we set ourselves and an up. easy justification for heavy yes. policing? Yes. That in a way you guys contributed to the, to the, to the, the problem problems. because when people said, oh, my God, look at the gang members and look at what they're doing, we need that kind of police force. Well, that's the way they, they presented it. That's the way they packaged it mm-hmm. up. Uh, because they didn't just, it, it would be understandable if it was just the gang members. Yeah, you can lean back on me and say, well, yeah, he was a gang member and he was a doer. So, yeah, he needed to be hemmed up like that because nine times out of ten he did have a gun. But now let's talk about the other hundreds, thousands of ones that didn't bang. My uncle was blind. They had him on a car. Right. You know, what could he do? <clears throat> Who could he right. hurt? He can't even see you. So, you know, they wanted you to feel that way. And you got to understand that the way the police do it, they start getting you when you're about 11 years old. So this is part of this brainwashing, I'm telling you. They, they get you when you're about 11 years old, 9 years old, and you can be walking with your boys there, bloop, pull you over and be like, hey, get against the car. When legally, they're not even supposed to put you on the car. They're not even supposed to ask you a question without your parent being there. They will put handcuffs on you. They will stick you in the car. And it was a form of training. It was a form of training saying, we're allowed to do this to you. If we want to search you, you're supposed to, you to submit and let us do it, no matter what. I don't care if you did nothing or did do something. We have the right to search you when they don't. They're not supposed to ask you no questions. You know? So for most of your kids, your, your kids in these areas, even you got white kids, same thing. I didn't seen some in jail that, like, man, you know, I got caught up on this side of the track. But... Still, they're trying to train you that this is the norm. Right. I mean, California is one of your police states, so everything is about them. You know, they're getting $1.7 billion in all ways, even most of your intervention programs. Now, me, I'm a prevention program, and I'm struggling for money to do my program. Intervention? 
They give them the money because they want them to come and do the job. And what I mean by that is, when I was doing, excuse me, when I was doing intervention, they would. I went to a meeting, and this is how I started, baby. Me and my boy, we went to a meeting, and we standing down here downtown L.A. And the guy Chris Carr come out, and they all in there talking, and then you know, because all intervention money comes through the police funds, so. You, so basically, the police is paying you guys to walk around in this neighborhood and do this, but really they don't want you to stop. It's only right. intervention. Intervention <clears throat> is bullshit. It's a mm-hmm. band aid. It's just saying, okay, let me holler at you real quick. Look, man, Paul, the police chief, they got about fifty thousand dollars they want to give us if we can cool this down. So me and you say, okay, me and you being the leaders, we say, okay, let's cool it down. So guess what we do? We go back to the neighborhood and tell the homies, look. If you're going to do any busing, don't holler out the hood. If you're going to do any busing, don't write on the wall. Because there's so many gangs around, how are you going to tell us we did it? we telling you we didn't, but we get the money. Right. We're not stopping the problem. So how does your situation work? How does baby work? So for me with baby, and my purpose of creating baby is this. A gang is what you call a parasite. It needs resource. It got to stay a gang. It, ha- it needs resource. Me being a big recruiter for the gangs. I understood this better than a few. So for me, it'd be like if one of my homies got killed, I need at least five to six more kids to come in here and fill that one hole. Oh, and about the other five that just went to jail, I'm going to need five for each one of them. So I already went after 30 kids to pull them in for the six that's gone. And this is every day, all day. The only way the gang can stay is if it keeps eating, eating, eating. And, you know, if you want to stop it, all you got to do is break that resource up. Like, for instance, I have, I meant to send you this too, Paul, because some of my kids just sent me their grades that was messed up, and all of them got Bs and As. So um, if I can stop, I got 207 graduates. That means there's 207 kids that they don't get. I got four that they You're keeping them in school. They stand in school because of what I'm showing them. And this is LAUSD. No, this is ISEF. I'm on LAUSD too, but my my bulk of the numbers since 2015 is ISEF, and I got 26. What's ISEF stand for? Uh, Inner City Education Foundation. Right. So you're keeping the kids in school. They're right. getting good grades, and well, that way they're not becoming part of the gang. I don't want to say I'm keeping them in school. I'm educating them to the facts about gangs. I use the same method I used on my kids, and I give them the truth about gangs. The good thing about it is I'm 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 on the I'm on the upper. I'm on the upper chain. I'm, you know, I'm at the top of the food list, so I can tell them, and they know who I am. You can show them your ten bullet wounds. Ten bullet wounds. I can give them my. Most time, I give them my name, my full name, my nickname, where I come from, and tell them to go home and ask your people. Nine times out of ten, they know me. Right. If they don't know me, they know of me. And yeah, I've had a whole bunch of incidents come. I had one kid say, my mom said, if the devil was telling you hell was bad, that's the devil standing in front of you telling you what's happening. Right. So, you know, how I took it, I didn't take it bad. I took it like, yeah, tell them. So can, can I just go back to what just happened here? Because there's so much confusion with uh, Black Lives Matters and protesters. You know, my, my wife has been marching with BLM for two years every Wednesday downtown. Mm-hmm. And there are peaceful protesters in the streets. And then you have a criminal element that's looting. For, a, a, I think, a large portion of people, at least here on the west side of L.A., they think they're the same group. 
they're they, not. They, they, I know. Uh, of, of course they're not. But you, you know, and so you asked the question earlier. Yeah. So let me give you something different on this. Okay. Most of the original looting, there was whites, Hispanics, Asians that went in and started it. These were crimes of opportunity. To, the, they using started the, Using the protest as a distraction. As a cover. Right. As they a were cover. like, you know it's going to go down. All we got to do is wait until they start getting rowdy, and they do it. So then who did it? Who's doing it this time? This is just cr- criminals in L.A. who've decided we're going to go. No, I wouldn't even say it's criminals in L.A. I'm just, How does I, it work? I'm going to be sarcastic about it, but it's my true feelings about it. Okay. This time, um, to me, this time, the difference was... You had an element there that was coming from, they, they, they verified it and all, that they was coming from other places to be a part of this because they wasn't a part of all the other ones. And they was like, well, they're going to ride. We're going to do our thing. You know what I'm saying? So they used that when we did have people out there like Black Lives Matter out there really pushing the line and trying to stay within the scope of protesting and not rioting. But then on the, the, the twist of that is, you know, Martin Luther King said, riots is a voice of the unheard people. Well, we, we tired, man. You, you, I don't care who it is. If you're on that lower chain, the lower level, we tired of just being shitted on and pissed on and been like, you know, you know fuck, we don't mean nothing. Uh, they, they mentioned everybody else, but they didn't mention my boy Ezel Ford. And he got killed, LAPD 77, shot him in the back three times. Now, mind you, he was a guy... He had went to the county jail, young dude. He went to county jail, and he couldn't handle it, and he went medical. So they had him on these meds, and now he had to be on these meds, which means he walked slow, he moved slow. Three officers got him on the ground, and they said he was a threat to their life. He's face down, and they said he reaching back, trying to grab somebody's gun. Right, and that, right. That made it okay for them to dump him, shoot him out. It's shoot a common him story. It's a common story. Because use of force is a racket. The use of yeah. force laws, and I will say as a lawyer, the use of force laws give such wide latitude to the police that you hear them all the time. And, and mind you, there's some good cops out there, but they, you, I see the same thing. I just, he's shaking I just his want, head I just no. want to disagree to <laughs> that. We have, we're no. friends with the one guy in Beverly Hills. We know, Hills. We know good cops. And, and, and I, good and, cops. And, and, and let, let, me meet, let, me, let me tell you why I say, and I'm shaking my head. Let me show you the difference. Like me, for instance. I don't consider myself a good gang member, but I've made good choices. Right. I've been with my homeboys, and they was doing, I'm on the streets right now today. My homeboy, Rad Dirty, is doing life for this crime. We went, we went downtown L.A. because he got jumped. He came and got us early in the morning. We went back down there. We, they wouldn't even let us in the building. We, we seen a pole going up to the third floor, climbed up that, and climbed through a window. When we got up in there, we had bats. We had one gun. When we, we, um, when we got in there, uh, the dude was standing in front of the door. We was trying to get in. He was like, no. One of my homeboys beat him with a bat, beat him bad when he was on the ground. Just He couldn't do nothing. So he asked for the gun. Gave him the gun. He was going to shoot him in the head. I walked up and grabbed his hand, took the gun from him, said he ain't got to do that. So is that cop good if he stands there and watches his partner do it? Or is he watching another cop just walk up out of nowhere and kick the person in the face or fire on the person or do anything wrong, put dope on him, anything wrong? Is he good? So he's part of a he's so a there, part. So there's no such thing as even a good gang member. Right. There's no good It's a ga- part of the machine. I see. A, so you can't be a good cop in a bad machine. The only good cop I've seen, 
I can't think of his name though, but he was a while back, some years back, like in the early '90s, end of the '80s. Uh, he was used to be an LAPD officer, and they had it all on the news when the police pushed him through the glass window, mm. and it, they didn't know he was recording it because he quit the station, and then he went out in the streets to show the racism that they do. Right. And all I'm saying to you is, I, I've been pulled over in the rain, and um, a white officer, black officer, black officer pulled a gun out on me and told me to lay down in the rain. I told him I ain't doing shit. He said, get down. I said, I ain't getting down. You can put me in that car, but I ain't finna lay on the ground for you. So he put me in the car. At first he said, I had a, if I had any warrants, I was going to jail. I used my cousin's name, because my cousin was super clean. <laughs> <laughs> I, used, I gave him his whole name, birthday, everything. And he just, you, oh, you got a warrant. Right then and there, he's on. Just made one up. Yeah, he just, right. bam, you got a warrant, so you going to jail. But in reality, I did have a warrant, and, and, I, and I had to go to the station. And once they seen me, my physical body, my teeth, and seen that I didn't have no silver teeth, they let me go. But that's the reason I, was, I lied, because I didn't want to go to jail. But, right, right. But, again, the black cop was the one trying to treat me like I wasn't shit. Right. And that's what I'm saying to you. Now, do, is there some police officers that that are cool yeah i know a couple of them starworth uh from lapd um a couple of commanders you know they they i know if they with their boys it's, it's not gonna be that clean but they're clean enough where i can trust them to the point if they say they're gonna do something they do it mm -hmm. but when they come together and they doing a raid or they doing anything all them all that shit is out the window right because if it's not you would have stepped up and said slow down that's too much that's too much that's just like when you seen the old man, the old white guy, they yeah. pushed down. The yeah. third person is the one was like, fuck him, keep pushing past. So they pushed him. Right. And then when they tried, when they realized he was bleeding from the back of the head, what'd he do? He told him to keep going. Well, fuck him. It seems like the world is listening. Giant protests Why yesterday in Paris, in London, um, protests all across the United States. It, it finally is an issue that's getting addressed. Did I you think. ever and, think it would get to this point? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Because, like I said, even when I was in jail, I met a couple of guys. I, got, I met a guy named uh, Petrovic. He was a, a CO. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you like this. Because they asked me and my boy, they said, how come the East Coast Crips is so militant? Them are, we the ones that was on the news. They took off on all the, 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 share, the, the police and the thing, mm. stabbed them up and all that. And then they beat them up and cut all their hair off and did all kind of crazy shit to them afterwards. Uh, so he, Aries was one of the ones that was up there, and he came and walked up to me and was like, because he seen me as the shot caller on the yard or whatever, but I was just a Southern black rep. And he was like, well, why y'all so militant? I said, we're not militant. We're just not going to sit down and let you talk to us any old way. Hell, you younger than me. How the fuck you going to talk to me? And I'm going to say yes, sir, to you. You should be saying yes, sir, to me. I'm older than you. But, you know, that was their feelings. And, 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 and it's just, you know, to say that, they don't really give a shit, man. They just feel like we are part of this, and this is us, and this is what we're gonna do. I don't even, I don't even care for their money or nothing. That's why I do prevention. We gotta wrap this up, but what? No, I still want to talk. <laughs> you can talk. We can <laughs> no, keep talking. <laughs> I just want to know what do you think? What, what you know? There's this defunding the police. The I feel like it's a badly titled great plan. <laughs> you know where? It, what do you think should be done? What is the reform that needs to be done here? I in think, your opinion, I think I think that they should allow civilians to be able to police the police. 
I mean, have a certain degree. Civilian oversight. Yes, civilian oversight, exactly. I think that they should um, – that – they, these dudes need to be trained another way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm liking what L.A. is doing as far as the, the chokehold. That's one of the worst things they ever let happen. The minute they was able to choke them out, just like the dude did, that, I didn't have that done to me, man, where they didn't set their foot all in my back while the dog biting on us. You can't fight. You can't defend yourself. If you move the dog, you, if you even hit the dog, you get a charge of uh, right. assaulting the police officer. Yeah. But the dog is biting on you, and I don't know what person <laughs> right. in his right reaction won't be like, yeah, get off me. Yeah, of course. Get off me. You know what I'm saying? And they, they feel like we're supposed to just lay there. Yeah. There's powers that be that's doing this crap on purpose. Listen to the music. Listen to the music. Even when I was young, the worst thing we had was NWA, and the biggest shit they ever said was just fuck the police. You know, Tupac had an argument because he wanted to say fuck a bitch. Feel me? But now they let them say everything, and the, and the, the songs have no content now. Oh, I'm pissing purple. I'm popping uh, Percocet. <laughs> they got a song, Percocet, Percocet, and everybody dancing to it. Like, And all it is about drugs. Get drugged up. Yeah. So when you drugged up, you fuck up. I got you going to jail. Public Enemy, NWA, really. And them dudes was talking serious. Yeah. Even Tupac, before his mm-hmm. thing with Biggie, his shit was political. Brenda got a baby, you know. What do you know about that situation? Well, uh, Pac, I was there when the, I was out there in Vegas. I was and working Biggie with, Smalls. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying to you, I got no problem with it. Uh, but I'm saying, if you're in the street, the if you're in the street and, and, and you popping it, and he did, because he made that song coming back to Cali. Right. And, and, and that was the ultimate test. When you already know what Cali is about, right. knock it off. You 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 played with it. You should have stayed. He was out poking there. the harness nest. You're right. He, matter of fact, he stuck his whole arm up in there digging around. He didn't poke it. He stuck his hand in there. Got it. So damn it, bear anybody could got that. that we don't know. All right. Well then, Bear, thank you for coming on. No problem. The stories are fascinating. I love the uh, the, the 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 background on colors <laughs> and how you were recruited into the movie industry. If you want to check out his website, it's brothersagainstbangingyouth.com. They need funding. Give dot org. Some, dot org. Sorry, they need funding. They need money. They do good work. They're working with LAUSD and a lot of kids who are listening. Check their grades out. Yes. They're doing well. Zuckerman, good to see you too, my friend. That's Always. all we have for Spikes Car Radio. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.